Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler Podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Holly. Well, we're really busy right now getting ready for the holidays, so we thought we would put all of our big questions together in one episode so you could go through them and access that information. We're going to put time codes in the show notes, and that way it'll make it easier for you to find the question you're looking for and listen to the answers. I'll be back in a bit for the ad break. Until then, please enjoy the episode. Michelle asked, what do I do if I fall behind? Oh, well, you know, that's a good question, and she sounds like a perfect Paula. I think she might be. Perfect Paulas are always worried about schedules and and getting things done. And and I'm kind of like that, but I've also learned that um, we don't have anybody's schedule but our own. Exactly. So um, I might have something that I think I want to get done. For example, last week, I wasn't um, at home to do school on Friday. I unexpectedly wasn't home. And so I just did a little extra on Monday to catch up. And I still checked off Friday as if we'd done Friday because it was all Friday's work. But it was, uh, we don't, we don't have to report to anyone. So fall behind is kind of a subjective idea, I think. What do you think about that? I think so. I don't, you might fall behind your ideal plan, but as long as you keep moving forward, you are going to uh, keep learning. And I know one year we decided to play with schooling all through the year instead of just 180 days all jammed together and by the next calendar year we had done well over the 180 or 200 lessons and we had had the freedom to stop for emergencies or life events or take a day off here or if someone got sick or if we had unexpected company um, and just keep schooling and learning in a more relaxed manner so I never felt like we were behind that year because we had such we had the whole year to accomplish our Oh, I can see how that year. would take the pressure off. And it was great. We still had, I mean, we live in Texas where sometimes it is too hot to play outside. So summertime, we could take advantage of cooler temperatures inside and just keep on doing some lessons and then use those really nice stays in the spring or the fall for our um, outdoor activities. Oh, and that's brilliant. Feel guiltless about it. It's like nobody's schedule but our own. I think the main takeaway that year was just keep moving forward. Just keep going. That's brilliant. I like that because it just gives you that calm, peaceful feeling instead of feeling like somebody's hanging over you and cracking a whip for you to get some stuff done. (laughs) Well, that is awesome. And I surely like that idea. I I have not done a whole year, year year-round school because... um, my birthday is at the end of May, and I always like to take off then. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a lot to consider, and I might even try that. That's a great question. Thanks. Was that Michelle? That was Michelle. Thanks, Michelle, for, for giving us that question to answer. I know a lot of people are going to find this information useful. We have a question from Georgia today, and Georgia wants to know, what curriculum do I use? How do I choose curriculum? Oh, man, that's a... There's a lot, a lot, big answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Uh, there are a lot of really good materials out there that you can use. Uh, we started by looking at what kind of kids we had. Like, did we have uh, really uh, thinkers or did we have doers? And mm-hmm. then I had a lot of hands-on kids, so I chose something that incorporated a lot of hands-on 
activities and went with some unit studies. What about you? Well, I started with a, a box curriculum. I started with a Becca curriculum because oh, I was I worried that, that I wasn't going to cover all the bases. And then I, I went into unit studies and I went to Charlotte Mason. But what, what I like to tell people is the curriculum you choose, you want to look at your family situation. Do you have a lot of time for planning? Do you have a lot of kids? Do you have a job that you work from home or outside of the home? So if you have a job and you don't have a lot of time for planning, you want something that's very prepared. But if you have a bunch of time at home and you're one of those real creative types, you might want something that requires a little more effort on your part where you're preparing materials. So I kind of I, I kind of tell people to look at that. And then also, what is your budget? Mm-hmm. If you have a very tight budget, then you're going to want to look for curriculum that's pretty much like all-inclusive. Maybe something like, oh... Uh, five in a row or my father's world or something where you get a lot for your your initial investment or if your budget's really tight you might want to go with something that's online that's a free one something that you can kind of build on so it what curriculum do I choose is kind of a loaded question and it's really personal and also just be aware that if you choose a curriculum and you really think it stinks get rid of it Um, because somebody else will buy it and think it's great right or if you really hate it and you think it stinks but you're stuck with it there's ways to modify that curriculum and I think we talked about that a couple episodes ago I think we did so um just about anything will work it depends on how much time you have to put in it but I for people who are just starting out to pick one I usually recommend they go with something that's already pre-planned a box curriculum Mm -hmm. that's already got your lessons planned Partly because it helps you know how much is enough. A lot of people, we just want to do such a good job, we overwhelm our children with, you know, so many activities. Mm-hmm. And a, starting out with a box curriculum shows you the amount of work that a child at that age is generally expected able to, do. to do. Yeah. Yep. That's a really good point. I have a question here from someone anonymous. What do I do if my curriculum isn't working for my child? Well, yeah, curriculum doesn't work for every child, that's for sure. And I've had I had an experience with that. I've used Debecca when mm-hmm. I was starting off with my my students, and it's a it's a great curriculum for elementary school, very systematic. And I thought their phonics program was really good, but my middle son did not agree. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, it was to the point where I got out the little reading curriculum, and he would actually get up and leave the room he wanted to go and hide and that was the opposite of what I was trying to accomplish (laughs) so I I asked around uh, other people who had homeschooled what curriculum do you use for reading and one person said sing spell read and write and I found out that that was a multi-sensory curriculum and it had songs well this child loved songs so I was fortunate I found a used um a sing, spell, read, and write at mm-hmm. a homeschool book fair, and I purchased it, and I purchased the little workbooks that went along with it, and do you know what happened? He would get up in the morning and start coloring his little pages, oh. and it he he loved that curriculum, and it was night and day. So it's for, a huge turnaround. It was huge. So if you can change your curriculum, please try to, you know, ask others what they've used, see, and, and look at your child and see what kind of learner are they. And if you can change your curriculum, great. 
But say you have a Becca and you find out that you have a hands-on learner, there are things you can do if you can't change it. So change some of the activities. Um, and, and with my oldest son, I put some of the little letters and things on the floor and let him jump from one to another and give me the sounds. So I was able to make it interactive for him, even though it was really a pretty dry curriculum. So if your yeah. curriculum's not working, if you can get a different one, great. If you can't, modify what you can and just, uh, you'll know if you're doing well with your modifications, if your child lights up and they want to do the curriculum and if they run out of the room, well then I, <laughs> there's your clue that that's not working. Um, we, we had a similar experience with our math program. It did not, it worked really well for almost everyone, but for my one, one daughter, uh, did not like having to use that curriculum. She really wanted to write on her page and I was using that book for everyone. So oh, that wasn't an option. Right. And so it might have been a tracking difficulty from the book to the, th to the paper. Uh, but we solved some of that by doing some things out loud while I looked for something else. Mm, and mm -hmm. then some of that, I just took the problems and we did them in another way. And we incorporated some math games that were covering the same subject, same topics. But like you said, I modified it just to make it work. Because at that point, it was like, I'm sorry, honey, this is what we have. Right. We're going to make it work The somehow. budget is finite. We've <laughs> already gone shopping. And so um, she... Um, turns out to be she's just fine in math she learned even though she didn't love the curriculum she managed to work her way through it and then we found other things that she really enjoyed so we would start with the things she liked the least and work toward the subjects that she really enjoyed and that made it a little bit more palatable here's one from Carla my child is overwhelmed and shutting down am I teaching too much it could be <laughs> it could be the there's that a, goes along with what we were just talking about. Right. There, there are several reasons why your child might be shutting down. Melody, um, what, what are some of those reasons? You, I know you have an educational background, so I'm going to ask you for your professional opinion, <laughs> and then I can weigh in with my oh. homeschool mom with no educational background. Well, uh, as far as so everyone would know the signs that they're shutting down. It might be tears. It might be throwing a fit it might be jumping up and running out of the room um, but we often find that we want to finish these lessons because someone has put them in the book and we <laughs> push to finish so sometimes uh, maybe I should say almost all the times small younger children need shorter lessons and I found it was much more effective to do a short five or ten minute lesson uh, where the child was engaged and grasping the concepts and then stop because you can always come back for another short five or ten minute lesson and not try to get a whole thing done all at once and also to slowly build up like some stamina for schoolwork. Mm -hmm. You can do short lessons that can gradually get longer as the year goes by but um, I think that we've all done that at least one time. It pushed somebody pushed to finish and then the child is at the point of tears and if they're crying they're not engaged they're not learning anyway that is not a good idea right right sometimes they're shutting down because of uh physical things such as visual yes. problems or they are simply not ready mm -hmm. readiness you can't make someone read until they're ready so sometimes and kids don't say i'm sorry but this is hard they just act kind of snarky That's true. so you know 
if your kid's just acting rude and cranky and all, it's their way of saying, I can't handle this. And then we have to be the detective Mm -hmm. and figure out why. But yeah, so someone's shutting down, there's definitely a problem. It might be the curriculum. It might be something physical. It might be the way what we're expecting out of them for their age or yeah. So you kind of have to go through a mental checklist. Uh, and mom detective and yeah. sometimes you know you've seen your child they're not acting quite themselves and the next day they turn out to be sick true so we just have to be more aware of what's going on with this little person try to figure out what the problem is sometimes we don't know but sometimes and, we and we even really when do. they're even when they're teenagers that that Especially can sometimes then. happen i remember that uh, one of my children had a really hard time with math and when we would sit down to do math, all of a sudden, there were just all kinds of attitude problems. And they never said, Mom, this is hard for me. This doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, I was thinking, well, you're 13. Why? What's your problem? But, you know, even teenagers sometimes have a hard time realizing when things are causing them problems and expressing that. So, again, you know, it's, it's our job to get, get rid of emotion as much as possible. And try to find out what's going on. Maybe give a snack. Sometimes people just need a snack. Sometimes they they do. get hangry. <laughs> yeah. My yes. my son gets hangry if he hasn't eaten. Oh my goodness, a seven year old and I'm like, Oh, you just need to eat something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you just need to get up and walk around. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe don't you need some fresh air. Don't chain him to the desk. That that makes kids shut down too. Uh schools have recess for a reason. And homeschools would be smart to also have a recess. And I'd make my son go outside in the morning before we start school, run around a little bit. And then we come in, he's ready to do some things. And then we take a break, we go back outside, do something Mm -hmm. else. And so that's really helpful for for student and teacher. So yeah, shutting down is definitely a sign that something's amiss. Yeah, it might be, might be that you're teaching too much. And also you don't have to be afraid of backing down just a little and come back to it later. Mm. Very good points. And Diana has written in saying, I feel like I've made a good decision to homeschool my children this fall, but my family is questioning me. How can I reassure them? You know, that's a good point. And and a lot of homeschoolers um, get that kind of pushback from their family. I think that you really need to know why you've decided to do this. And maybe even write out your reasons so that when you talk to your family about why you're homeschooling this semester or this year, that you can take emotion out of it and you can just Mm -hmm. lay out, I've decided to homeschool this school year because I do not think that the school can adequately educate my kids during the pandemic or I don't think that my kids will be safe or I don't think that my kids' emotional and social needs will be met. You need to know why it is that you've decided so that you can tell your family. And it's really important that if you have a partner, you both present this information. Um, Because sometimes families will try to divide you and they'll try to get you away from, uh, you know, your spouse. If you're a single parent and your family is questioning you, oh my goodness, you're just going to have to be really strong and you're just Mm going to have to know exactly why you're doing it. And I know that when we started homeschooling, and of course it was in a different time in a different situation, uh, my mother-in-law said to me, oh, will you have books? 
And we thought that was so funny. But what we really found out was that she just didn't understand how this was going to happen. So we shared a lot of our resources that we were going to use with her. We brought, um, back then, of course, it was a homeschooling magazine. Now everything's online. online now. But right. we brought um, a homeschooling magazine to show her. We showed her the books the kids were going to be using. We even invited them over for what we called an open house where the kids could show their work and they could maybe recite a poem they had learned, make a little snack. And, and what happened is over the years, um, my my in-laws got very comfortable with homeschooling, mm -hmm. so much to the point where they would, oh, can we take the kids on a trip? Because they knew, hey, we had flexibility to do that. Very nice. So I think, you know, sometimes when our families are pushing against our decision to homeschool, it's because they don't really know what that means and how that's going to work, and they just need some reassurance. So... They do. And, you know, I imagine there may be some people, like their family might be supporting them, but their their circle of friends might be making different choices. And that could be hard, too. You've got peer pressure, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, we're all going to do this. Why are you doing something different? Right. And, and sometimes people feel, they feel condemned by your decision. Like they feel like, well, my decision wasn't good. And that's not at all what what anybody needs to feel. Like I totally support public schools. I think public schools are wonderful, mm -hmm. and I'm glad they exist. And I think we all just have to have the opportunity to make a choice if we want to to do public school, if we want to do private school, if we want to homeschool. All those educational choices are valid, and we don't need to be pitting ourselves against each other. We just need to support each other. So if support you, each other. If we, never, you're, we never know what health reasons people might have or what else is going what, on. Yeah, just we don't know. Find a way to be supportive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the key is just have your reasons. And be able to, to share them and try to take the emotion out of it and just understand that it's out of concern or sometimes it's just out of something that other person is feeling about their choices, mm -hmm. why they're pushing back against your choices. But you can do it. I mean, everybody can homeschool if they want to. Hi, it's Holly popping in again here. And we're going to talk a little bit about our sponsor, Transcript Maker. As you know, it's an online service that allows you to create professional high school transcripts in the comfort of your own home. And Transcript Maker's done something really cool. We are involved with the Homeschool Connect Expo, which is a virtual homeschool expo that you can attend from the comfort of your own home. We're really into being comfortable at home right now. The neat thing about the Homeschool Connect Expo is that you can go through all these virtual booths and see all kinds of vendors. You can um, listen to people giving, um, giving speeches about things pertaining to homeschooling. And our booth has some special offers. Um, you can watch some of our best videos that we've uploaded to YouTube. And we've got a 20% off discount code for you when you subscribe to Transcript Maker. To find the Homeschool Connect Expo, go to homeschoolconnectexpo.com to uh, join the virtual conference. And to find Transcript Maker, you'll want to do a search for our name, or you can look for graduation resources. It's free to register for the Homeschool Connect Expo, and it will be up for one year. So you can go back as often as you want and tell your friends and enjoy the resources we have for you and the whole experience of a virtual conference. Also, we offer a 14-day free trial of our transcript template. Go to www.transcriptmaker.com and get your free trial. Transcript Maker, simply better transcripts. We have Franklin D. wrote in, I've been looking for curriculum and I'm starting to get overwhelmed. How do I choose? 
Yes, I've seen a lot of people asking about curriculum. And one of the things, I think one of the most very important things is that you really want to know a lot about yourself as a teacher. Exactly. And a lot about the way your kids learn. And in our previous episode, we talked about learning styles. So if you haven't heard that episode, you really want to listen to that if you're still in the middle of making your curriculum choices. Melody, how do learning styles affect your curriculum choices? For us, because I knew that my children, well, in the beginning, I had a very wiggly learner. So I needed to find something that already incorporated hands-on activities and um, movement and things to do not sitting at a table. Right. And with a pencil in his hand all the time. That was not going to work. And so for us, unit studies was a good solution for that. And then also I could incorporate other activities that would work for my sit-down you know, I have some who would like to sit down and fill out pages and pages of workbooks that would make their little heart so proud right. and so happy. And so I could incorporate those things for them. But if you are if you are someone with really active children and you yourself are a more wiggly person, you might do better with something that's already meets that need that you have. Mm-hmm. You want to do hands-on things. On the other hand, if you have a child who doesn't feel like they're learning unless they're sitting down doing a paper or reading a book that might not be as good of a fit right kind of learner our little perfect pauls and paulas they Mm -hmm. really like to check off things and my competent carl oh true they would like that as well so classical might be a good choice for that child Mm -hmm. and we did dabble in some classical type things for him and he taught himself latin which was a good thing (laughs) well and there was a little unschooling thrown in there there was some Mm -hmm. in there but if you you know if you're a person who needs a more structured approach. So maybe you are that wiggly person, but you know that if you just fly in off in all directions, you're not going to get things done. Right. You might want to choose something that's right. more structured. Structure does give you some freedom. Additionally, you want to consider what's going on in your own life. Yes. Are you a parent who can devote full time to education or do you have to work from home or work outside of the home? Those also will drive your choice of curriculum because if you're really busy and you don't have prep time, you really might want to think about a traditional approach where Mm -hmm. it's pretty much open the book and go and you won't have to spend a lot of prep time. Your kids are going to get a great education and you're not going to be frazzled staying up till two in the morning preparing some kind of materials for the next day's lessons. Right. That's why I often recommend to new homeschoolers to pick something that's planned. My father's world, like sunlight, things that incorporate some of these approaches in them, but it's already planned out. You just pick it up, open it up to today, and do whatever's on the list. Exactly. So it's really important when you're choosing curriculum to think of certain factors. How do you live your life what time do you have to prepare what kind of kids are you teaching yes what kind of learners what kind of a learner are you obviously you don't want to um, only get materials that work for you because you want to teach your kids but it's got to be a good fit for everybody also a financial some of these curriculums oh my goodness my eyebrows almost blew (laughs) off when i saw somebody say four hundred dollars per grade level for some curriculum i thought my goodness I think that's about as much as I spent on one or two years of homeschool materials for five children. If you multiply it times children. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Right. And then you also want to think about what what do you want your 
homeschool to look like. Right. If you are more studious as a rule in your family, you're not going to be as happy with something that feels loosey-goosey. Sure. Like hands-on and crafts, and that's not going to be comfortable for you. Right. You would be happier with classical approach or a traditional approach. Yes, and even within those, they do have some hands-on projects and things like that. So don't be put off by the idea that it's more structured. It's still going to have art you know, lessons and um, science experiments and things like that. Mm -hmm. Sure. But you just want to take those, all those factors into consideration. And then even after you do that, you might get a (laughs) curriculum that by December you hate. It's okay. That teaches you a lot and you can still make that curriculum work or you can list it for sale and get something new to start off in January. And just be aware that things change or you might not like something and it's okay if you hate it. It's okay. It's it happened right. to all of us at one time at or another. Some point, then you just pick something else. Pick something else or, or change what you have in some ways to make it work until you get to the end of the school year. So I, I think that these uh, guidelines will help people make their curriculum choices. And I think good so luck too. to you as you go through this new school year. Lisa M. writes in, I'm homeschooling my six-year-old and I also have a toddler. They both mm-hmm. often need me at the same time. How do I balance my responsibilities as a teacher with my responsibilities as a parent? Oh, that happens a lot. That was our experience when we first started homeschooling. I had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a newborn. Oh, goodness. I had a second grader, a kindergartner, a three-year-old, an 18-month-old, and then I was newly pregnant. Oh, my. Wow. A lot of juggling (laughs) that first year. And that's the answer. A lot of juggling. You figure out what what needs to be done one-on-one with your six-year-old. I used nap time for the toddler to do a lot of those one-on-one things with the six-year-old mm-hmm. for phonics and math. And their lessons are short when they're that young. Right. It shouldn't take you more than an hour or two to get through whatever you want to teach them that day. That's right. But we did. Mm-hmm. When the toddler was down for a nap, we did the one-on-one things. And then when the toddler was awake, we included that child. And they were just as much a part of school as the other one because I didn't want to be pushing them off to the side. Right. Yes. I think that's the key. Um, I kept some little activities on hand for my toddler to um, do while I was working with the older children. And also at the beginning of the day, what I did was I gave the older children some independent work. Even a six-year-old can maybe copy a row Mm -hmm. of A's on a paper or they can play with um, counting blocks or something while you do something with the little kid. Because if you get the little kid and you spend some focused time with them and then you sit them down at your feet with some little toys, they're very happy because you filled their cup first. First, and I think that's just a good tip overall. We started with the youngest first. I worked youngest to oldest. The older ones could keep themselves busy with either school assignments or some household chores, like mm-hmm. emptying the waste baskets or feeding the pets. They were doing things while I worked with the, the younger one first. And like yes. you said, then they were happy and satisfied. And uh, we also did some like, assignments for the toddlers but they were things like go play with the blocks right or now it's time to go you know play with the cars and trucks or the kitchen or um, things like that and we did the same thing I had some school time only toys so they were really unique things that they couldn't keep their interest longer another thing I would suggest is to have planned snack times 
Oh, absolutely. So we had, uh, I think, 10 or 10.30, we took a break, and all the kids had a snack. And the, the little toddler, what I did with my toddlers is I created a little um, preschool. I'm putting quotation marks on mm-hmm. that, little preschool. But we did some little activities for them, like I would read them a book, or we would uh, learn a poem, or we would do some little finger plays, or uh, little kind of activities that mm-hmm. were focused, counting, jumping, whatever, and then we'd have our snack. And everybody wanted a snack. I learned that real quickly. Even the older students wanted to have the of snack. Course. And that just helps because when little people get hungry, they're just really unpleasant. <laughs> and it's hard to get through anything. Even for me as an adult, if I get really hungry, I really can't focus on anything. You can't be so, your best self. So feed them. Take breaks. Go outside. Go outside. I was going to say, mm-hmm. let everybody go outside and take a break and play and and use those big motor muscles that you can't run and jump in the house. You need right. to, they still need that. And it's important for development. For the and if you ones. have a read aloud, you can take your book outside and you read. You can. Um, so they're just, it's a really short time when that little two-year-old is going to be kind of um, an interruption. They're not an interruption, but if you're trying to do certain things and they're climbing on the top of the table, that might be hard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, feed them. Give them attention first and um, do some stuff when they're napping. Hopefully they, they take naps. I had a couple of two-year-olds that didn't really nap. But, but they still had, at least in my house, they might not sleep, but they had to rest or yes. have a quiet time. Yes, exactly. But it is challenging it is. to figure all of that out. And so some of that is just you kind of figure it out as you go. Yep. Try some things. And if they don't work, throw them out and try something else. Mm-hmm. I Oh, I have a really great tip. So one of the things that my little kids did they love doing this. I put a tablecloth on the floor, one of those uh, wipeable tablecloths, mm-hmm. and I would give them um, some paintbrushes and the little papers that already have the paint in them. Oh, and I they felt those. like they were painting. So I would say, it's your art time. And they would sit there in, in their little yeah. diapers or whatever on the tablecloth painting. Or I'd give them a, a paintbrush with water and we would sit out back and they would paint the house while I did some reading to with the older child. So there, there's all kinds of creative ways. And if you do a search on um, things to do with toddlers while you're homeschooling. A lot of people have put those things down and you'll be amazed at all the brilliant ideas that people Moms will give you. Moms can figure things mm-hmm. out. Yeah. yeah. Figuring out what you're doing your children. Yeah, but, um, but you can do it. And, and it just might mean you do things in little bits and pieces here and there. That's okay. Your six-year-old doesn't need to sit down for a really long time to do schoolwork mm-hmm. anyway. Well, I had short lessons for short people. Right? I like that. Keep and I'm short. still a short person. <laughs> So short lessons still work for me. They do. They keep their attention. And you can get a lot accomplished. And then you can do something with your toddler. Exactly. It's going to be, it'll, she'll figure it out. Right. (laughs) Yep. Let us know. So people have been doing virtual school about a month now, especially, I know in our area, they start on September 8th. And I'm seeing a lot of people who are saying this virtual school day is going on forever. And my kids are on the computer for hours and hours, and I'm thinking of taking them out of the public school realm and homeschooling. Um, so I think, you know, this kind of goes with what we're saying is what can you expect? How much is too How much? How much is too much? And if your kid is on a computer for eight hours a day or more and they can't get all their work done, that seems to be too much. Well, it's too much screen time. It can cause some vision problems time. and headaches. But I also have people who have home chosen to homeschool with, say, video curriculum or some all online. So not even just public school people virtually homeschooling, but some of the people who choose online curriculum. Uh-huh. 
it's still, you have to be aware of sitting there for too long. Like we talked about, you need to get up and move around. Can't If the assignments are too long, shorten them. Yes. And I don't know how much latitude people who are having to deal with the public school schedule have. Probably not as much as Probably not as much. Own. But if you're homeschooling and you're using a lot of online resources, it, it shouldn't take all day, no matter what kind of curriculum you're using or what form it comes in. It shouldn't take all day. That's just mm-hmm. too much. And if it is a longer kind of uh, assignments, break them up. That's true. You know, set a timer, work for 30 minutes, stop, get up, and go do something else that's not um, on the computer or mm-hmm. not a screen. So mm-hmm. Some non-screen time. Non-screen time. Yeah, your brain needs a rest, your eyes need a rest, and then you can come back fresher. I think that's a good idea. Well, people, you know, been doing school for a while, and a lot of them, this is their first year, and they were used to the public school doing testing. So people are asking about uh, if their kids need to take standardized tests or should their kids take standardized tests. And how to and where to. Right, right. They are available. There is probably a standardized test available in every state or wherever you live. We really never... I didn't do standardized tests with my kiddos, but there was always the option. And so if people just really want to have a good barometer of where their children are and their progress, it's not a bad idea to take the Iowa Test of Basic Skills, mm-hmm. which is just a basic you know, measure of what your child has learned at this point in comparison with other children that age. I actually had my two oldest children tested when they were in third and fifth grade because I was really insecure about what they were learning. And I was very happy at the results. It it showed me exactly where they were on their math and reading, what I had thought, you know, that their skills, where their skill level was. But the thing I loved, and we've talked about this, is that kids are learning all the time. And it showed that they had learned things I had never taught them. Mm -hmm. Now, I never tested any of my kids after that. That little experience kind of just gave me um, a real confidence in what I was doing. And it gave me um, a little peace of mind that they were learning. And that if we just kept on, that they everything would turn out all right. And since five of them are now adults and some of them have gone to college and they they're working, I feel like, you know, we did do really a good job and they had a good education and so yes if you feel a little worried about Mm -hmm. where your kids are yeah I would explore um, taking a test sometimes um, private schools will allow homeschoolers to come in and test that's true you can order the test and and give them to your kids at home Mm -hmm. and depending on what state you're homeschooling in you might be required to have your child tested some states do have that requirement we don't have that requirement here in Texas No, but you want to know if it's a requirement, Mm -hmm. and the local groups will be able to point you to the right right resources. That's right. But, uh, you know, you're going to find out some good stuff about what you've been doing. And so I think for that purpose, having your kids tested at least once in their homeschool career is probably a good experience. Mm -hmm. Especially if it gives you peace of mind Mm -hmm. and confidence to keep going. Yeah. Um, people are asking if they need a separate room to do their homeschooling in. Do they need a homeschool room? Uh, yes, I've seen a lot of people trying to figure out where to set up to do homeschool. Did We didn't have a separate room. Our house was not nearly big enough. to That would never have happened. But we did have established places for our books and our materials. Mm-hmm. 
and we homeschooled on the dining room table. Uh, what did y'all do? Well, it was the same for us. We didn't. We had you know five kids and in a five bedroom house, so mm-hmm. everybody had bedrooms. Um, yeah, we just homeschooled in the in the dining room or in the living room, um, and we had organized places for our materials. And the same thing for me now. I have uh, my in my hallway. I have a narrow shelf. And in that hallway, I have put all of our books on the shelf, and I have a little thin table. I put um, a map on the wall, Mm -hmm. and I have a globe, and I have a calendar, a big calendar that my son does calendar time on. And we have another calendar for him to to turn around, you know, turn the pages and stuff. So we house all of our materials there. Well, most of them, because if you're just getting started in homeschooling, you're going to realize this if you haven't already, is that every room in your house is going to have books. And so we have books, mm. bookshelves in the living room, bookshelves in the dining room, oh, yes. bookshelves yes, in the bedroom, bookshelves in the in the hallway. And so we have books in different places. Um, but we do the main bulk of our schooling in the living room. And then when my son has to do his pencil practice, his penmanship and his anything where he's got to write on paper, mm-hmm. then we actually go to the kitchen table and he sits down there and he does his um, things that he has to do like that. So uh, we've never had a separate room, and I like the idea of a separate room as a place maybe to house your materials, but depending on your lifestyle, it might not work very well for you to go into a separate room. I mean, if you have a baby and they're taking a nap in another room or... That was us. There was always a, a toddler. For many, many, many years, there was a toddler, and you, I needed to be able to keep an eye on the little one. And I needed to be available for the older ones who mm-hmm. had questions. And so we we kind of homeschooled all over the house, but the bulk of it took place in the dining room. Of course, our dining room was wall-to-wall bookshelves mm-hmm. and other materials, games and arts and crafts materials, at an <laughs> like markers, easily accessible but high up, inaccessible right. to the children, <laughs> yeah. things so that I could control what was coming out. I didn't mm-hmm. want to come out of the room and find, you know, a bunch of glue and glitter and oh, stuff right. like that. Right. But the older kids, the responsible ones, they knew how to get everything out mm-hmm. and what to do. We had some cabinets in the kitchen, had some materials in them. They just ended up being everywhere. But we did have our central, like when we did writing, it would be at the table. But right. we also would go outside sometimes. And yep. books ended up everywhere in the rooms. But it is a nice idea. But because so much of life while you're home, you can multitask and throw a load of laundry I, in the washer. That's exactly what I was to say. Be put, doing the... Making some lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, with five kids, I never, um, we didn't really have sandwiches that often. I would actually go into the kitchen and cook a lunch. My kids loved Tuna Helper. That was a big special that we'd have Tuna Helper. And then we'd get our food and we'd go sit in the living room as a whole family and we would watch... Um, Oh, Seventh Heaven. That was so oh, popular. I that. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, if I had to be sitting in a separate room, then I couldn't uh, dictate spelling words to someone to write while I was stirring a pot mm-hmm. or shifting the laundry or mm-hmm. washing a dish. So um, for me, the idea, I always thought, oh, that might be lovely. Everything could be in one room. But we never had the room. And, and in practicality, even if people have a separate room, I would imagine their homeschooling spills out into other areas of the house. It does, because you're yeah. just naturally learning all the time. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, you're doing school, sometimes your child can get up and be washing up dishes or doing something in the kitchen, and you're still all together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a lovely idea, and it I is. have seen it work well for some families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there were a lot of us, and we had a lot of materials. And Right. If you don't have a separate room, 
Don't use that as a reason why you can't homeschool. (laughs) You you just have to be creative with storage. And and you can do it. You don't need a special room. So Mm -hmm. there's the answer to the big question. And you also like we have I have friends who love to put the posters up everywhere and we didn't have a lot of wall space, so we use the backs of doors. Oh smart. You know, you find places or just a pull down thing or mount it on something else and pull it out when you need it Mm -hmm. and slide it behind the couch and So, yeah, if you're involved in a learning lifestyle, it's a learning lifestyle, and you can't contain that to one room. All over the house. I hope this episode was helpful for you and you found useful information for your homeschooling. I want to wish you happy holidays and happy homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Holly Williams-Urbach. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-host is Melody Gillum. This episode was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find her music on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or as always, tell people about us.